Million Dollar Sundays are here to stay. Playing a $1 million tournament is now a regular thing with the Million Dollar Sundays. Coming on Sunday, August 2nd at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, we're hosting a $1 million guaranteed no-limit Texas Hold'em tournament, where the winner walks away with $200,000. This is our third Million Dollar tourney with more lined up in the future. You're going to love the Million Dollar Sundays tournament with daily free rolls to win your seat for free, tons of satellites to qualify for a fraction of the cost, and free bank wires for the top nine finishers. Don't miss your chance to win part of the $1 million guaranteed. Qualify today for the Million Dollar Sundays Poker Tournament. AmericasCardRoom.com Okay, welcome to Ask Alex episode 51 sponsored by AmericasCardRoom.com If you want to get 27% rate back then simply join AmericasCardRoom.com by clicking on one of the advertisements on OneOuter.com website. That will be all automatically set up for you to receive your 27% rate back. Follow us on Twitter at OneOuter.com and join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash OneOuter. This episode and all other previous episodes with Alex and other guests are available for free on OneOuter.com or on iTunes. Just search for the OneOuter.podcast, OneOuter.com podcast rather. Alex, how are you? I'm just thinking there, in terms of like we talk about like making things easier and stuff in life, I should record that so I don't have to say it every week and fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. No, I, 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 I'm good. Thanks for asking. Uh, but yeah, no, I guess we could record that. But then, I don't know. I like the naturalness of it. It sounds it sounds cool. Like the way yeah. you come in. you got to come in with that sweet baritone before I start screeching like a parrot on methamphetamine about whatever is bothering me that week. It, you know, it settles the crowd down before I, like, you know, throw confetti on them. So what's been happening in Alex's world since uh, last week? What's been going on? Any dramas? Any wins? How you play? <laughs> no, I've been, uh, you know, I've been working a lot the last week. I've been, uh, I have a new schedule. I wake up, uh, you know, I wake up at about 7 or 8, uh, and then I, I, I start, uh, I, I start uh, like doing the lessons and stuff like that, and I do I, I do the lessons and all the administration with like the website and all that until like three o'clock, and then at, uh, I take a break from like three to three to five. Usually in that time, I try to get a workout in, and then from like five on, I've been like playing. Uh, I've been playing poker on America's Card Room, and it's been it's been pretty fun like getting back to like playing daily. Uh, I did have to make some sacrifices, like on the Twitch stream. I I just realized, like, I can't announce poker for five hours a night and like have a voice the next day for my lessons. Like, I I would just burn out like every single time. So what I've been doing is I've been playing like a mix of tournaments and cash. And when I'm like at the, if I'm like deep in a tournament, like if I'm in the money of a tournament, I'll turn on the microphone. And I'll start like talking through all my decisions, which is helpful for me as well, uh, ju- mm-hmm. just because I get to like think through everything verbally, and that kind of helps me expose some of my blind spots. But uh, yeah, that's that's been cool. And then you know, like when I'm playing like 400 NL heads up, you know, we put on uh, ch- more chill music, and you get to watch some. Uh, you get to watch, you know, you get to watch some like real cash game poker. It's kind of interesting because the people I'm playing can obviously like see what I had like 15 minutes later. So that kind of challenges me to 
mix it up a bit. And it's been, you know, it's been good. And it's, uh, it, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, other than that, just been, uh, I got a webinar today, uh, with, uh, MTT market. I got, I have like lessons every morning again. Uh, and I'm really liking just like playing on America's card room at night because it's, it's so hard to like, it's so hard to like do a couple lessons and then play poker like right afterward, you know, it, it's really hard to hit reset and you're doing such a, you, when you're analyzing other people's hands, it's really hard to like break off from that and go, okay, I need to like look at the big picture now and not the minutia. Uh, I, mm -hmm. and, and to like think clearly in this space. So it's been really nice to like get a reset and play like a nighttime schedule. And, you know, I still get done like in time to hang out with my wife and read and everything. So that's been, it's been pretty cool. I've been pretty satisfied with, uh, uh, I've been pretty satisfied with that. And it looks like I'm going to be in Florida here in August for uh, a poker tournament. Uh, it was, wow. it was looking like, uh, was looking like I could pair a WPT with a rap battle, but that doesn't look as uh, likely now, but hopefully keep, keep staying tuned. I will be screaming at another grown man about his deficiencies in life rhythmically and to rhyme here. Again, so do that every week to me. Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> I just call you up at three in the morning to tell you what I don't like about you, and and rhyme. Yeah, that get in, get in line. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, oh, um, I listened to the Thinking Poker podcast uh, with yourself and Carlos uh, in Vegas. Um, it was quite funny. The end of the show, he sort of said. He made you. He reminded you to give like one out or a plug. Yeah, yeah I, I wasn't. I wasn't sure. <laughs> and he was like, "Oh, Barry called me a stalker and stuff like that." But he knows I was sarcastic. Carlos is like the most like chill dude on earth. So it was so funny when he like broke it down there. He was like, "Now, nah, Barry, you have called me a stalker, but I just yeah. would like to calmly remind you that I am the one telling Alex." And I was like, man, I was like, oh wow, you know. Yeah. It's like Shawshank for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like Morgan Freeman now. Yeah, he was. He's got, he's got that. Uh... Yeah, he's got that. But there's a guy that does the uh, some commercial for, I think it's in car insurance or something. Or, yeah, more than more than car insurance and house insurance and stuff in the UK. And they've got like a voiceover guy that sounds exactly like Morgan Freeman. Oh my god. Uh, Man, I would just, like, I don't know what I'd do if I had a voice like that, because, like, my entire life, I've always had this, like, nasally white drone, you know, and I'm always, like, you know, I got, I had a buddy, like, growing up, he was a, uh, you know, bigger African-American gentleman, and, like, he had this, like, thick baritone, man, I was just, like, dude, like, you know, and he never yeah. wanted to do anything with it, right, like, we would get him, you know, when, when he was high, we'd get him rapping, and, like, I mean, it wasn't even like that, like, doing voiceovers for anything or voice work or something, right? I, I would just order at McDonald's to hear my own voice. It sounded yeah. like that. And, like, yeah, you would rap and he'd sound like Biggie and I'd be like, dude, that's so sick. And then, you know, he'd get sober and he'd be like, yeah, yeah, you know, whatever. I don't do that. But I, th I think it's strange. When you're young, you don't really think about stuff like that. But when you get older, you do start looking going, wow, like, the way that guy talks or, yeah. you know, like vocabulary and stuff you know when you're younger it's just whatever yeah well you know? when i was a i remember when i was a kid like they would be like you use big words and like you're a loser for doing that and that wasn't like my fault my mother was just always like doing that it's like looking back like i can't even remember like why 
I can't remember what, you know, it's like, yeah, the, a lot of people I've been talking to lately, it's like, oh, we should have always known you were going to do okay in life because you presented yourself as someone more diligent about what he was working on as opposed to, you know, just like, oh, ugh, that's stupid. And I was like, well, yeah, you know, it would have been cool if in high school you guys didn't like jump on my crap every, <laughs> every two hours. But I'm And dance around you in a circle. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. I was like, well, like one time I like, ah, oh, man, I ain't even going to get into it. But like, especially like when I was on a, no, you have to. Nah, it's not you even like. No, I was on in my football team one time. I said, frankly, right? Like one time I was like, frankly, I don't care or whatever, right? And then they were like, ah, <laughs> Humphrey Bogart here or whatever, you know? Like just, I mean, but I mean, obviously they didn't know who anybody was, but they were like, what the hell, you know? It's like, And I was like one of the few. Uh, I mean, there was a few white dudes on the squad, but like, man, they were, well, uh, you know, there there was always like the white jokes going on i genuinely i genuinely think today like in in the world if you're a teenager and you could say please and thank you and smile at people and just be polite i think it puts you in the top one percent of of doing well in life because like even some adults i was uh shopping the other day like food shopping you know um and with my brother and we were in a store here as does in the UK, it's Walmart owns it, and we were grabbing just a few things. I'm never in these shops, but like I was grabbing some juice and a few other things, and I was going round and like a few people like had their, you know, their trolleys or carts, I think you call them. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> carts. So they had their carts and they're pushing through like in the aisles, and you know there was like there wasn't enough space. Someone was stacking shelves, so it was like a sort of, you know, give way sort of thing. And I just stood to the side of my basket and I, I sort of smiled at the guy and his wife and they literally just walked right through it and didn't even acknowledge me for letting yeah, them yeah, go that's, through. That's so and, and it happened twice in that show. And I said to the guy when he walked past, I was like, thank you. <laughs> you know, and he just, he didn't even turn around. He just kept, I was like, I've done it to people when I hold doors open. I think I've said it's for, you hold the door open and just walk through. I go, thank you for holding the door. And then, some people are so flabbergasted yeah, that you, you should call me think, on that. How you know, dare call you. them on that. I'm like, fuck it, it's unreal. Yeah. Like, I really, I don't know if people are just oblivious to it or people are just socially awkward now with all like living is, in, on Facebook. I don't know what it is, but without sounding like a pensioner, I'm only 31. I mean, you're a young pup compared to even <laughs> me, Alex. And I, I don't want to say back in my day, but seriously, like, no, no, it was it's just it's you're it's taught that to hold the door open. It's simple. Well, I, you know, yeah, more yeah. My grandparents, my mother always harped on that. Well, like, I remember, okay, when I, like, I left home in the middle of high school, and uh, I mean, if you listen to the show, you've heard this story a lot, but, like, uh, you know, I literally moved to a place called Casino Road, which is, like, the ghetto, and... I mean, if you Google it, it's like Casino Road has a reputation, prostitution, drugs, illicit gambling, right? And then I was like, I was in a, I, I was in a garage with like, uh, it, there was like no heating, no running water, blah blah blah. And I was like, I need to get a job, right? And all I'd been hearing from people my age, and I was in like one of the best high schools in the country, like it's in Time Magazine's like top hundred high schools in the country is like, there's no jobs. It's impossible to get a job. Nobody can get a job. Everything is horrible. 
So I was like, crap, you know, and it's like, obviously, given my situation, I need to find a job pretty quickly. Otherwise, I'm going to be, you know, like, I don't know, homeless, but but it it was looking pretty likely, right? So I like, I go to these jobs, and I would just, you know, like, I read like a short thing on Google, like what to do in a job interview, right? Like, and I, it was so pathetic. I had to Google everything, like how to gel your hair, like how to like tie a tie. I didn't know any of this stuff, right? And then like what to do in a job interview. And it was just like some guy had at some point, I don't know why, had put together like what he looks for in job applicants. And it was just basic crap, like give a firm handshake, but don't break the guy's hand and like look him in the eye and say thank you. Uh, see if you could, uh, the big one was like, see if you could talk to the manager when you drop off your application. Right. And don't waste too much of his time. Just go, Hey, you know, this is my name. I wanted to drop out my application and say, uh, I would love to work for this establishment. Have a good day. Blah. It was just stuff like that. And I was terrified, dude. And like, I was, I, I, I was really bad at it. Right. Like I, I just, I couldn't get like the timing right. I never, every one of my interactions was awkward. And in like two weeks, I had like four job offers though, because like they just like the effort, you know what I mean? They just like the effort. Like, even though it was like, well, you know, this kid's a dweeb, but like, at least he's trying. And then I ended up taking, I, I was a security guard at 18 years old for a fortune 500 company's headquarters, which was a pretty cushy gig. You know what I mean? Because you just kind of, you just kind of sat there and made sure nobody walked through the front door with a bomb, which only happened about 30% of the time. So the other 70% of the time, you know, you could like read comic books if you so desired. Yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, just yeah. basic politeness takes you a while, especially in poker. Like if you're just polite to the floor staff, like, I, I don't know. Oh, I've seen some pretty favorable rulings for people, you know, and then uh, I, I, I actually, in terms of players as well, like being polite to other people at the table and when it comes down to, you know, on breaks, if you speak a little bit more, you're a bit open, who knows you get down and like when it comes to deal making and stuff, because whether people say, oh, I just play for the win, you know, when you get these big tournaments and there's deals happening and stuff, it's a huge advantage right. if you're, if you've been open, like friendly or not, I'm not saying like sucking up to people, I just mean open to yeah, communication. Yeah, not, not a jerk. Rather, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and then come deal time, they're like, oh, you know, this and that, or, you well, know, I, yeah. I, I just... I have, a, I have a lot of people come up to me, like, as, you know, poker salaries have diminished with the proliferation of really good players, uh, you know, a lot of people come up to me, and they're like, man, I want to, like, coach, but I don't know how you do it, I'm like, but it's, like, very clear when they're talking to me, like, the way they're talking is like, they're trying to get money out of people. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like they're trying to like stick people up. And it's like, if you want to like make money, like on the sidelines of poker, like with business, you have to actually like be looking out for the player. You know what I mean? And it's like, people are always saying like, we go above and beyond me and my assistant. It's like, it's not really above and beyond. It's just basic politeness. It's like when somebody sends us an email, that's not completely ridiculous we try to get back with something. We don't always succeed. You know, once in a while, like, we get flooded with 100 emails. We mark something. We miss it. You know what I mean? We do miss phone calls. We do mess up things. But generally, we get back to people. Generally, if it's something we can help them out with really quickly, we grab it. You know, and then uh, 
at tournaments when people say hi to me, I don't go like, hey, piss off, you know what I mean? Or give the, I, I yeah. don't say, you know, I don't re- like go, hey, man, good to see you, talk to you later. Like, I don't like run off, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you know, I'll do the basic, like, how are you doing in this tournament? But, you know, and like, it, and honestly, a lot of these people are pretty interesting. So it's a, but yeah, it's like, you know, they're, everybody comes up to me, I don't get how to do this. And it's like, well, man, you can't like, I mean, just like in any business, I think you have to actually care about your customers. People always have this image of an industrialist as this, you know, big, scary, you know, it's a guy walking around with a top hat and a monocle, you know, saying, like, I could take your wife, young man, you know, like, and it's like, well, no, I mean, the guy who ran Whole Foods made a ton of money because he actually, he realized he realized people like want something and then he gave it to them or pretty much. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's the basic tenet of business and life. And, uh, I think, I think it's being overrun by this mediocrity for lack of a better word of just like everything is, I hate these words are thrown around a lot, but I feel like people are just really entitled now. And I, I, I think it's the education systems, bro. It's this like self-esteem thing. Like you're special for doing nothing. It's like, uh, it, it, I, I don't know. It's like, it, to me, you're not really special. I pretty much no no one is really, it's, it's one of those things. It's not like in communist countries where it's like, you are nothing, you know what I mean? But it's like, you're, you're really defined, I think by like your work ethic and what you do for other people. And, uh, how you take care of other people, but really it's, it's been boiled down to these days, like how much can you get for yourself? And by the way, you deserve it. And that's a really weird thing to tell people because like, there's not enough money in the world for everybody to be rich, but there's enough like human connection around the world for people to have enriching relationships, which is not what we're focusing on anymore. And I will step off my soapbox right now, and we will get to some po- poker questions. But that's it. I was waiting to say, well, that's twenty minutes, twenty-two minutes. Room, so <laughs> that that's a third ranting. So the next two thirds will be questions and yeah, content. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're paying attention to the yeah. ratio. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, next. Next question. Uh, next question. First, First question. question. Well, is from uh, Chase Bianchi, regular uh, emailer in tw- Twitter, or I don't know where this one's came from, uh, but he sent them in before, and he says, Hello again, gents. I have been watching WSOP live streams lately, and I've seen a trend among some good players. When getting to the river with top pair type hands, they are checking back where I think I would value bet. It is especially prevalent in reg versus reg situations. I realise that there are reasons to not value bet as thin against better players, like the possibility of check-raise bluffs, and the good players will make better decisions and not call with worse as often. Uh, that said, I think it's being done too often, and they end up polarising themselves on river bets and put their river frequencies out of whack. I also think some players take the they're capable of bluffing mentality too far, what are your thoughts on that, and what considerations do you take into account on river value bets against good players versus checking back? Thanks so much, gentlemen. Yeah, thank you, sir, for writing in. Um, I think you're having a really good instinct because these are things I think about myself, and I would like to think I'm on the cutting edge of poker. In Las Vegas this year, there was a lot of times 
uh, there was a lot of times I'd see a check on the river and I'd go like, how do you make money at poker? Like, how is this your profession? Like, you realize, like, certain people... I mean, there's always guys that have run pretty well to stay in the game. But, like, I mean, not just stay in the game, but usually there's a lot of people who, if it's their first three years in poker, they've run pretty well. But when you see them checking top pair on the river, like, routinely, you go, like, wow, this is such a regular occurrence for you to have top pair, you just waste it this way. And, yeah, it really, they have no kind of range coverage on the river, because they're only betting like two pair or better or nothing, which means you can come over the top of them quite a bit. Uh, I I think it's really, uh, I once heard a very good player say pot controlling was created by great players to make good players suffer. And I really think it's true. You should be kicking yourself every single time you check back the winning hands. And most of the time, actually, uh, to go back to our previous topic of entitlement, one of the most thing, one of the most common things I hear is like, well, what if I bet the river and he check raises? I'm going to be really sick. What, let me translate this for you. I have top pair and I'm special. I deserve for this hand to win. And it's like, <laughs> well, no, if top pair isn't the best hand, it, it's like I always go, if he check raises you, what does he have? And it's like, oh, sets, two pair. And it's like, well, why would you ever worry about bet folding? Like, you're betting and you're getting called by second pair, third pair, top pair, top pair, weaker kickers. And uh, sometimes he might even call you with better kickers instead of, like, check raising you. Uh, so you'll value own yourself, but that's okay. He's not check raising getting more value. And if he check raises you, you're never good. So it's this is a pretty basic no-crap bet. This is something you should be working on uh, to, imp- uh, to put into your game pretty often. Uh, they're also, yeah, they take the, uh, the other point to your question. Uh, everybody's like, oh, he could possibly be bluffing. Um, if you're playing with a guy who's like a heads up pro, who's like a knowledgeable pro, I, I don't know. Like even the, like I've been studying like board runouts a lot the last few years and, like, if you watch me on my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash theassassinato, you'll notice I bluff quite a bit more than many other pros, but you'll notice it's very specific instances where it's like, oh, first, second, and third pair now have been reduced to nothing, and that's most of his range, so he needs to fold, right? And they don't always have to be, like, big bets, right? And if it is a triple barrel, it's like every card is dramatically changed what the caller's range is worth. And I would be value betting my top pairs here too. So like I have a lot of range coverage. He does not. It it makes a lot of sense. But what I see a lot of on like what on the few times I watch the WSOP coverage before I get angry and throw the remote through my TV because I can't believe they're there and I'm not is, you know, like the board's like King eight, three rainbow. And the guy is like nines. And the guy calls three streets because he could be bluffing. And the turn's like a two and the river's a two. And it's still rainbow. And it's like, what exactly could the guy be hoping you're folding? Did he really think you called with a king on the flop and then got scared of the two on the turn in river? Or like the eight got scared of the 
Uh, you know what I mean? And the eight got scared by uh, running twos. It's just like, well, he could have nothing. He could have nothing. Usually in these spots, you don't see nothing nearly as much. And my other favorite is like, oh, he could have a missed flush run. I'm like, okay, how many combinations is that? Nobody ever knows. They always go, but, uh, uh, you know, it's quite a bit. And it's like, no, it's five combinations. I just count it, right? There's like, or it's like ten. Right. It, it doesn't matter. Like you can count through like all the different ones it could possibly be, especially when it's like, especially when the guy like what it check raised with like the nut flush draws or did something like that. And it's just like it's just like small flush draws. There's sometimes it's like there's four combinations. Then if he's bluffing every single one of his flush combinations, which you do not know, but let's assume in some alternate universe, we know that he's bluffing all of them. It's four combos or it's six combos versus 35 pair combos. But you're going to go ahead and call with the ace-jack high. Okay, that makes no sense, right? And especially, by the way, they're not even doing, like, numerators and denominators. They're not doing seven over 42 possible combinations. They're seeing, like, a huge size bet. They're not even realizing what percentage of the time they're right. They're just going off their gut. This is why when people go, like, poker is dead, I laugh really hard. Because it's just, uh, a lot of people still just want to play how they feel they want to play. I think you're seeing it plateau. Uh, I think you're starting, people have really gotten, like, the basics, especially when it comes to tournament poker. Uh, But you're noticing still quite a bit of difficulty on turns and rivers. And I think you're identifying some of the main uh, spots. So very good for you, sir. And the thing, I think you've touched on it before, Alex. The pots, you know, the biggest point it's at, at the river. Yes, sir. So good. You Very can good get point. In, get in your sort of, you know, like big blind uptick sort of thing, like the, a good chance to get a load of big blinds. No, it's true. Uh, with, with a value bet. So, um, yeah, thanks well, for writing that like, in. I mean, just something I thought of the other day. I had king-queen on, like, uh, this is something I see happen all the time. Like, the board's like king-7-2. And, like, the guy bet, you know, the guy, like, calls flop, calls turn, the guy checks river. And the guy, like, checks behind because, like, oh, you could be checking ace-king. I was playing heads of cash, like, uh, 200 or 400 NL, I can't remember what. Not 200, 400 NL, like, 1-2 or 2-4, right? And, like, I, I remember thinking, like, this is the nuts. Like, heads up in this pot. Like, this is, so, like, I actually did, like, a check-raise jam, like, for value with that kind of hand. And, it's like if you watch like high stakes players, uh, like they do that kind of stuff all the time, and you'll never see like the mid stakes or even like the high stakes MT tiers do that. And I think, you know, there is something to be said for like keeping your chips, but like if you just know you're miles ahead of the guy's range and he, Max yeah, value. exactly, exactly. <laughs> and if the guy loves to hero call, like so many people seem to like to do, yeah, you got to go for it. So yeah, go for the gold if you want the belt. Sir, good luck to you. Definitely. Uh, okay, next question. Uh, this was going to be a bit later, but it's it's a good one. It follows on. It's about river stuff. Um, uh, it's from Alvin Kaufman, and it's, hey, Barry, one question for Alex. He says that a chance of making a pair is roughly 33%, I believe, or one-third time, one-third of the time. What is the percentage of making a pair by the river? Who would I ask for math-related poker questions? Thank you. Al, one time coached by Alex and long-time Ask Alex listener. 
Uh, thanks. Appreciate what you two do. Thank you, sir. Um, I, I'm not even sure like where you would go to get where you would go to get like making a pair by the river. I think you oh you do the all in equity. I think is pretty like I I think it's uh like I. I think you would uh, go to like all in equities and I think you can see like how often it's going to come out. I don't think Flopzilla is very good for that. I can't remember. There's a program online. I apologize, Alvin. I'm not really, I, 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 it's been a while since I looked at that because like all in situations can be solved by like an ICMizer or something. You don't have to go into the specifics of like how often do you hit this and then he rivers that or something like that. It kind of does it for you. But there's a number of programs online that I think can show you. Uh, if you just like look up like equity calculator and like go through the options, I think you'll be able to find it. God, what is that? There's one that's perfect for it, but I haven't used it since like literally like high school, but I remember using it. Ah, God. And, uh, but I mean, you know, a lot of it is, uh, uh, I, I, a lot of it's like 44 to, uh, I want to say 44 to 46%. I'm not sure that's right. I, I thought, I, I kind of was struggling. I don't know if he's meaning by like, you've got one card to come, the river, and you don't have a pair. What's the uh, chance of making it? I, I thought it was or all five I, cards. I, I, well, that's what I mean. I mean, two, two cards that aren't paired and all five cards. I'm sure it was around about a half, fifty percent of making a pair by I the river. Think R- roughly, approximately. I thought, you know, that's what I thought, but then I, I, I googled it after this question, but I also thought that it was somewhere in my head. I thought it was, it was like fifty. I, I, I remember thinking when I was younger it was like fifty, and then finding out it was lower. But okay, it was. Uh, so it's in that because I think part. a lot of people go like, "Oh, Ace King hits fifty percent of the time by the river," and that's. Uh, but I think. I, I, you know, actually, you might be right. And I'm, I'm just talking out my butt. I can't, uh, I can't. Well, the ace, ace king versus two is always that was always the thing. Yeah, But then you've got the board, the board pair. Yeah, as well. yeah, it, that's the thing. I, I think it's like adding a couple percent, but I think I might be. Yeah. So I, I think roughly what you say is like maybe like forty five yeah, percent. Yeah. Is in yeah, that. Yeah. Pl- Roughly, it is one, to, two, sort of thing. I used to, the number going through my head is 46.7, but I don't want to, like, slam my fist on the desk and go, <laughs> that's right, because I've done that before and then, like, looked it up and it's, like, not even close. But uh, it, it's, uh, I, I think it, there's quite a few equity calculators out there that you can look for. I wish, God, there's one online. I, I can't, if you look it up, like, it'll probably be on, like, the second page of Google is, is there what was this one called I, i'm sorry i'm totally drawing a blank but yeah i think it's uh uh it, it's also you could you could just do this by uh you know you could just do this by like multiplying you know the number of outs by the number of cards plus the cards in the deck and you could find it the old-fashioned way there's a number of books about the mathematics and poker um i've actually found a few of them to be wrong uh, when I've like looked it up. So what you want to do is like look up something and where, when it, it, when it like matches like five other people's books, okay, go with it. But you got to remember this might be like, uh, they, you know, this could be like people like copying different books from each other. It could, it, you know, it could be like the early gospels and, uh, you want to, uh, 
you want to make sure you like go through and do it manually. Like, okay, you have one, you know, you have this many cards out of 52 on scene. How, how often does that hit now after, you know, and then you can, uh, uh, there's quite a few, Oh, the mathematics of poker by Bill Chen. Okay. That's a great one. Uh, that one had unexploitable gems back in 2006. That one had like calling from the big blind back in 2006. If you read that book uh, and then you look at where poker has gone in the next 10 years, Chen uh, predicted pretty much all of it. He, w- he was a uh, savant. Uh, he knew what was – he was a luminary, and I still don't think he gets the credit he deserves, and he would do much better answering this question than I would. I think, uh, I, I think, he's, I, I think he is – most of the mathematics answers I've ever gotten have been from Chen's tome. Yeah, the belt, he seems like a nice guy. As yeah, well. I met, I've never met him. Or I met him. I, I said to my wife, like, I, I was like, oh, you know, this guy wrote a book when I was a kid and I read it and I was just able to beat the games. And then she was like, she was like, well, then go talk to him. And she kind of like shoved me, you know, and then I was like, and, and then I was, you know, and then I started talking to the guy and I, I really don't like to bother people, you know what I mean? But like, he was totally cool. He was really like, oh man, I'm really, you know, I'm really glad that helped you out, you know? And then he was just, you know, not one of these, you know, I don't know. It's certainly not the experience you get when you go out to Phil Hellmuth or something like that, you know? Like, are you? Uh, he's always been good to really? me. <laughs> Our, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even when I met him in person uh, in Vegas. Saying that, I'd already spoke to him on Skype and stuff before it, so it was maybe a bit more than a, like a cold, yeah. you know, just going well, I mean, up. Even yeah. some of the nice guys in poker I've met, and then I've ended up, like, I don't know, we're just kind of, <laughs> I'm not going to go into it, but yeah, it was pretty cool <laughs> meeting Shen. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, okay, next question is from Keith Kasprazik. Now, or Kasprazik. All right. Kasprizik, Kasprizik, this is K-A-S-P-R-Z-Y-K, and I read, I read it before I came on, and I had a, I had a pronunciation of my definitely head another West. Chinese listener. Anyway, Kasprizik, I think. Yeah, I think Kasprizik. <laughs> uh, okay, it's basically this one, Alex, is about the Daniel Negrano bust out the main event. Hand. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't uh, seen it. Right, so he sent me a link of this. And I didn't see it at the time, but he's got it here. So, um, okay, the tournament's obviously World Series of Poker main event. There's 11 players left. The blinds are 200,000, 400,000 for the 50k ante. And it's five hands. The ante is five buy-ins, by the way. Oh, no, no, it's not. It's one point six six. But anyway, the ante is two people's deaths. Anyhow, let's go. <laughs> let's go. So uh, Joe McKeon is on the button. Daniel Negreanu is in the big blind with uh, 6.6 million chips. He's big blind, 16.7, M 7.9. So he's got about 16 big blinds. Okay, uh, okay the, it's fold, 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 fold. Uh, pre-flop, Negreanu has ace spades for clubs. It's folded to McKeon on the button. He min raises to 800,000. Small blind folds, and it's on Daniel. 
So uh, Daniel calls four hundred thousand. He flats it. Shove like and, duh, standard. Oh wait, so, sorry, yeah. <laughs> I was a two plus two poster for a second. Go 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 yeah. ahead. And uh, the flop comes ten of diamonds, king of clubs, eight of diamonds. Daniel checks. McKeon bet seven hundred thousand. Daniel goes all in for five point eight million. Okay. So. There was basically, he sent me a link here uh, on from ICMPoker.com, and it's got, um, basically, there was a lot of controversy, or not controversy, but split opinions, shall we say. Like you say, there was a lot of people on forums and stuff that probably, you know, some of them have got like five cents in their accounts or whatever, <laughs> uh, saying that, oh, this is standard shove, you should shove straight away. And then there was another school of thought saying, Daniel said he was playing for the win. He was basically arguing that uh, he was going to be C-bet in any flop, especially ace-high and stuff, so he right, could, right. you know, get it in on equity, etc., etc. So, basically, if you want to give your thoughts on that hand, uh, basically discuss that. Okay. Um, okay, first... Uh uh, it, the first thing is, is like B- Daniel was like very low in the chip counts right then, right? Uh, I believe he was like tenth or ninth or eleventh. I, I think so. It's about sixteen. Yeah, so he, he, yeah, I think the chip leader's probably he's, got he's like got a ga- Yeah, he's got he's got <laughs> yeah. a gamble, right? Like a lot of people. I, yeah. I love it when people go, well, let, like ICM considerations. Like ICM says, you should get. You, you're allowed to gamble if you're like low man on the totem pole, right? Because like. Uh, there's not, you're not protecting anything. You have nothing locked up. You know what I mean? If you bust, you probably get your exact expectation at this point, right? So uh, now a lot of people are going to say like Daniel should jam here. Just pre-flop. I think that's, uh, I I think for a player like Daniel, that's lazy. Because like Daniel could like watch a C-bet and... By the way, this is not somebody who's, like, a big fan of, like, Daniel. You know what I mean? But, like, this is like this is another professional who has watched. Like, I can explain to you, like, everything 99% of pros are doing. Like, there's nothing – like, if you watch, like uh, – not like I'm anywhere near, like, Durr's level, but there's usually a mathematical explanation for a lot of the stuff he does – um, Daniel Negreanu, a lot of times, it's just like, throw your poker books away. I have no idea. It's, it's just one of those, he can look at a guy and he can know if they have it or not. And that's something you are not going to be able to utilize. Uh, you're not going to be able to use if you just jam preflop. Now, sure, the jam is profitable. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of people saw like, oh, the chip leader would have folded. This is terrible. But, uh, it, I, I don't agree with that now the hand selection i don't really like for a flat because let's say daniel uh picks up a picks up a tell on the flop right and he wants to check raise mathematically this is just working off of what i can work on an ace is one of the like inferior hands you can have to check raise bluff a flop because you're blocking all the ace uh you're blocking all the ace x hands that are going to be bet folding on the flop that are better than yours. Uh, typically when I flat here, I like to have something in like, uh, like the Broadway cards or something. Let's say you have like queen 10, uh, you have like queen 10 of hearts, right? Which, uh, in, let's say the board comes like six of hearts, two of diamonds, three of diamonds. If you, uh, check raise that hand, 
you're not blocking any of the aces. So there's more of the aces likely that are bet folding, which means your check raise is more profitable. And if you get called there, that's a really capped board because typically people would just get it in with their eights, nines, tens, jacks, uh, just because there's so many draws that could come out. They would just get it in with their flush draws and whatnot. So if you turn a heart, you turn a 10, you turn a queen, you have enough equity to jam there. And like a queen or a 10 is a pretty good out because it's unlikely the person opened like a uh, 10-2 or uh, queen three it, as much as like if you have an ace, that's a bit of a reverse implied odd because it's really likely a pair. It, uh, one pair with an ace kicker is bet calling on one of those uh, small boards that you might want to attack. So turning the ace could be the end of your tournament. Now, that being said, I don't know how good Daniel Negreanu's reading ability is because uh, I'm just not uh, I, I'm just not Negreanu, unfortunately. But uh, if it's as good as I've seen him be at some, there's pretty much no one I really like. Uh, I don't watch poker on TV. I don't. It's just not. It, it, it's not like it's not cool and. I, I'm, it's, it's wonderful people have a fun time watching it. The, the thing is, is I just don't really learn much of anything because I see this, it, a lot of times it's just coin flips or it's just spots that I've studied pretty extensively. They either got the right answer, which I already knew, or they got it wrong. And uh, with Negron, Negron is one of the few people I really like to watch because it's just so interesting as a professional of the game to see how much he can deviate from what's standard and get away with it. And not just once or twice, but for decades, uh, uh, you know yeah. what I mean? And like make a, pro a really nice profit. He's one of, he, uh, he might be like one of the best, like live tournament player of all time. So if he felt it was the right decision uh, to flat there, to look at the person's C bet uh, and see what he could get from it, I think this might be his reading ability might override uh, some of the mathematical considerations I just laid out for you. And uh, that being said, uh, uh, it, now the flop check jam, uh, there was a flusher out there, correct? Uh, yeah, okay, per perfect. So. Um, there, there's no equity calc we could do on Earth that would show that as negative EV. Uh, I'm pretty sure uh, I'm pretty sure his flat was made more profitable that not just because this board came out, but I'm pretty sure he could have made the flat more profitable than uh, just the jam. Uh, if there was ever a time to just go whatever in jam, I think it's with the crappy aces. I also think it's with the small pairs just because those play so bad post flop. Yeah. And again, I'm uh, ex I'm really accentuating like whatever I'm, I'm really putting emphasis on whatever Daniel's edges, but like, so I think like I read HUD stats like better than anyone. I think I have like a really good feel when it comes to tournament poker and different players. And I still shove there every single time just because that's such a difficult hand to play post flop. So I can see where the controversy lies. Uh, however, there's no one that could prove to me, uh, there's no one who could argue to, I, I understand the mathematical implications of what he did, but I don't think you can really quantify for how good Negreanu is. 
Uh, I don't really see anybody really trying to do that in the mathematical models I've seen on this situation and many uh, analogous situations. So I, 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 I'm, I stand with Daniel, Daniel Strong, Daniel Son. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, they're... They, they're missing out the, the Negrano factor yeah, exactly. or whatever it is in their equation. And like you said there, another thing is the guy, the Razor was chip leader. Yeah. And he was opening, like, apparently any two cards, you know, on the button. And, and what you got to think of is, like, like Alex said there as well, there's meta stuff going on there. You know, they've obviously played together a bit. And I think a lot of it with the cameras and stuff, I mean, I don't know the McKeon guy or whatever or any history on him, but playing the grano with the cameras and him flatten you, you know, even though he's out of position, and then he check raises, is quite strong to, like, then call off with... What do you call with? Nothing, or... Um, where are we? Uh, he... I didn't look through was all that. Queen, I was it King was Jack or... I, I think he did. He hit a queen and a queen on the river gave him a straight. So he no queen jacks the nuts on the flop. So oh, it was, he had a queen in his hand. It was maybe queen ten or something. Oh, okay. or, I don't know. Well, that that uh, I, I could find that, but I don't have it. That's audacious. Um, yeah, because a queen on the no, sorry, it wasn't queen ten because a queen on the river gave him a uh-huh. straight. So he must have had a he must have had a jack in his yeah. Um, so yeah and what also you're thinking is well from my point of view and just thinking of it maybe flatting like that and doing that you know that is his style really as yeah, well I mean, you know, his like, he does these things that's like well why would he do that and he's like you know the, the thing is there everyone else is shouting oh it's an easy shove standard or whatever and Alex is right, like, this guy's record in World Series tournaments and tournaments elsewhere around the world is excellent. You know, him and Helmuth and stuff. And Helmuth does stuff like that. If, if you showed me the hand history and asked me to guess, I would say it was maybe Helmuth that yeah, played yeah. the hand as well. Mm-hmm. You know? And you got to remember, these guys are successful. More successful than anybody in terms of tournament. Let's forget... Like you know, in terms of tournament success, they are up there. They they're probably the two best. Right. Um. You know, uh, over the World Series and over history has shown throughout the years changing landscapes, etc. So they do know like what they're what they're doing. Um. Like you say, just sometimes you know it seems a bit out there because everybody doesn't do that on the internet sort right. of thing. And the the other thing would be maybe the guy he's thinking um he's going to try and knock me out. Right, you know, like right. to, for him to knock Negrano out. So if Negrano just shoves and makes the decision, like just a call off, all right, it's 16 big blinds. You know what I mean? He doesn't have to go through the the mental uh, acrobats yeah. of playing Negrano like post flop. So I, I think a lot of that was maybe in it. Like if I just shove here, if he's got anything half decent, he's calling, you know, because it's a chance to knock me out, etc. And the other thing would be, you that's know, that's a really good point. Uh, like, like I just think, I think that. So maybe that's why he's flattered. It's almost the stopping goal. Yeah, I mean, honestly, <laughs> like, I mean, well, and if the guys like see that as a hundred percent, I think this is dude nine oh four. So I, I think it pretty much is. Is there's a lot of times you could like close your eyes and check raise the flop, and you'll be turning a profit, and then. Yeah, and there was something you said there is really important, which is it's way harder to make a flop call. <clears throat> like, it, it's really, 
it's really easy pre-flop to do a screw it, jack 10 diamonds, yeah, I'll call, as opposed to yeah. like, I brick this flop, or like, you know, I have third pair, what do I do now? Or I have like... Yeah, or, or it comes 2-3-5, he's got jack 10 and diamonds. Yeah, yeah, diamonds exactly. Yeah, and he bet, he bet oh, folds, and yeah, the Turner <laughs> River could have been a jack or a 10, and like, he'll never know, because he just bet folds. Yeah. Like, set up, I don't know, I'm totally with Daniel on this one, I... I'm Daniel. Daniel. Yeah, I, dude, I went to I, Scientology. Uh, and I, choice I'm center. Choice oh, center. Okay, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I. I. love how it sounds like I'm defending them. No, man, it's the choice center. It's way different. It's. Uh, but no, nah, I. Uh, only time I've ever wanted to like go sweat the main event was this year with uh, Daniel, and uh, yeah, I didn't end up doing it. But like. Uh, it would have been great for poker if he did. I know. I so Regardless of what you think about it, it would have been great for I, him. I would have watched it, seriously. Yeah, I wanted, no. I wanted him to get through Stealth Monk, Feder Holes, or however you say it, the German whiz kid, and instead, uh, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's like, <laughs> wow, this is great for poker. A bunch of other... Yeah, I don't know. It's like, I, the way we present ourselves in poker is like so bad too. It's just like everybody wants to look like a hustler. I remember the first time they did the November nine. It was like nobody shaved, like showing up yeah. to it. And it's like really, guys, you're playing for like eight million dollars. You couldn't shave, and it's like it just seems <laughs> like you know, it seems like one could procure a shave prior to the biggest day of their lives, arguably. But you know, it's yeah. I, I don't know, and I just just to have like Daniel, the showman there, or like even like Feder holes is like a really clean cut German kid, really like exciting to watch play. Like I thought that would have been such a good look for poker. And then instead it's uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> like, moving on. Yeah, it's like, I'm not, watching. <laughs> I watched last year because uh, I don't know. I played with Martin Jacobson a lot and people were like, Oh, he's really good. I was like, okay, I want to check that out. And then, uh, you know, it was a, it, it was definitely a good time. That was, uh, I liked, uh, what was his name? Van Hoof or whatever the Dutch, uh, Hannibal Lecter looking guy was. And then, uh, yeah, it was a, that was a fun, that was a fun final table to watch. I turned it off at the end cause I got bored, but it was uh, cool. Bring, bring back, bring back Dennis Phillips with his car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dennis Phillips told me a bad beat story and we didn't even know each other. Like, he, oh, <laughs> I'm not joking. I was in the PCA, and he was like, he, he's like, got a hold of me. Like, we said, like, one word in passing, and then he, he was like, okay. I was like, wow. Was like, you forget, like, you see these guys at big final tables, and you're like, oh, you know, the guy's been there or whatever. And it's like, the guy's still a fan. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's still, like, you know, he likes to play cards. Like, it's, yeah, so yeah. it was it was funny. Crazy. Uh, okay, well, that's all the time we got for questions this week. Uh, Alex is off to do a webinar after this, so we don't want to hold him up too much time. We want to get him, uh, give him plenty of chance to prepare and have a drink and refresh himself. Thank you. So you Vodka. Represent and clean, you know, and have a shave yeah, as well. I'm actually, I'm actually about to go do that. I rolled out of my bed and walked over here to do this. Now I'm going to go shave and uh, shave. Yeah. yeah, he turns up like a fucking drunk for me every week, but he's going to shave for some All right. The monkey is uh, prepared to dance. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs>
So, Alex, how can people get in touch with you for coaching, uh, special deals, Alex Central, etc.? Yeah, be sure to write me at assassinoutcoaching at gmail.com if you guys have any questions about anything we're discussing, any product, anything. Uh, just go ahead and write us. Uh, follow me on twitch.tv slash theassassinato. And uh, there you can see we get a lot of deals because you guys support me. I try to help support you. So I get you a lot of different deals on a bunch of different products. And obviously we wet our beak if you buy it through us. So be sure to check that out. And, you know, I'm trying to play most nights. And uh, you can watch me play, like, uh, you can watch me play cash. You can watch me play MTTs. You can watch me play W Coops, Scoops, all that good stuff. Uh, be sure to check out all the webinars we got listed underneath that. Uh, if you need help in your game, I put together like these seminars on specific concepts I feel like people are really struggling with. Uh, they can be they can be bought for sixty, eighty. I think the most expensive one is YF Sales is Right, which is one hundred and twenty dollars. Uh, be sure to sign up for America's Card Room if you would like to play with me, or if you'd like to play with a bunch of people who can't play poker. It's uh, you get twenty seven percent rake back. It's one of the few rake back deals still available these days. Uh, and if you sign up. Uh, through our link, uh, write me at assassinatocoaching at gmail.com and uh, it, it, tell me you signed up through our link. Tell me your login name. Tell me your email address. And uh, if you deposited, I will give you that's a check raise fool. You flat too much are dissecting the donk bet for free. All you got to do is create an account uh, through our link and deposit. And that's just a gift from me to you. It's like a $60 value, but that's just a thank you for signing up. Also, if uh, when is this going to run, Barry? When are we going to get this up? Tonight, tonight. It's, it's going, going up tonight. tonight, Thursday the thirtieth of and July. And if you got a, if you if you guys want to play this is Sunday, there's going to be a million dollar tournament uh, on America's Card Room. It, everybody's coming out for it. Uh, it's pretty much we get you know all the it gets all the like big regs, but what it also gets is because they don't get that many million dollar tournaments in the States anymore. It's like, it's, it is just balls to the wall. Like it is crazy soft action, this million dollar tournament. Right. And it's a really good structure. It's like one of my favorite tournaments of the year. I'm so proud we get to sponsor. And I'll tell you what, if you already have an America's card room account, and you, you signed up for me, through me, or actually, even if you didn't sign up through me, if you deposit something, then register for that tournament, write me at assassinatocoaching at gmail.com with your details. Uh, just say like what your, uh, your sign-in name is, uh, what, your, uh, what your email address is, and I'll send you one of these, uh, I'll send you one of these webinars for free, Dissecting the Donk Bet or something like that. And so you should register for this tournament anyway, but just get a little freebie. Uh, that lets people know you. Uh, if you send me uh, your details, it, it allows America's Card Room to know, like you're playing because we put you through, right? So, you know, they obviously are very grateful for that. And I'd like to thank you guys for doing it. Through. And if you sign up and if you sign up deposit and register for that tournament, uh, let me know and I'll hook you up with two of those webinars, okay? That's like a hundred dollar, hundred and fifty dollar value. I can't give you Ape Styles is right because uh, that is Ape Styles' property. But other than uh, that, any of those three, uh, you can get you can get hooked up with, right? And uh, yeah, also be sure to go on CardRunners.com and sign up. I got my new series, How to Study, up promo code Free Month, all capital letters. 
that'll get you 80% off. You can get two months access to 2,000 plus videos for just $30. And yeah, you know, uh, yeah, uh, hit me up on Twitter at The Assassinato and follow my blog at PokerHeadRush.com if you want to see long blogs about me screaming about people at the Venetian or the cost of a cup of coffee or dystopian Chinese fiction or that's the one I always like to throw in there because that was the most bizarre one. But there's uh, also there's like, uh, you know, my rap battles are there. There's strategy articles, there's interviews and there's a lot of uh, my my boy Jack Welch comes in to write something really bizarre every once in a while. And uh, yeah, you know, it's a good time. You should check out that site. And I, I spent some money on that side. It looks pretty nice now. There's also like book reviews and movie reviews and stuff. And, you know, uh, even Barry follow, you know, he checks out horror movies I recommend to him. So if it's good enough for Barry, it should be good enough for you. And yeah, yeah. (laughs) Thank you guys. And uh, yeah. uh, As always, tons of value from free stuff to premium products and uh, special bonuses for signing up and playing in a million dollar tournament. Tons on offer there. Don't forget to get your questions in for Alex for next week's show as well. Uh, questions at oneouter.com or askalex at oneouter.com on email or tweet them to me at oneouter.com on Twitter. Until the next show, thanks very much for listening and we'll see you all then. Cheers. Million Dollar Sundays are here to stay. Playing a $1 million tournament is now a regular thing with the Million Dollar Sundays. Coming on Sunday, August 2nd at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, we're hosting a $1 million guaranteed no-limit Texas Hold'em tournament where the winner walks away with $200,000. This is our third Million Dollar tourney with more lined up in the future. You're going to love the Million Dollar Sundays tournament with daily free rolls to win your seat for free Tons of satellites to qualify for a fraction of the cost and free bank wires for the top nine finishers. Don't miss your chance to win part of the $1 million guaranteed. Qualify today for the Million Dollar Sundays Poker Tournament. AmericasCardroom.com